You're listening to the greatest multifamily investment advice show. My name is Adam Ross, and now I'm talking everything multifamily for an in-depth conversation, and I will be diving deep into raising capital, deals, and underwriting process. Welcome back to the greatest multifamily advice show. Today we have Alfonso Quadra, an ex- exceptional guest and real estate investor out of Ottawa region of Ontario, focused on coaching, raising capital, land development, and all sorts of fun. How are you, Alfonso? I'm good, Adam. What's going on? <laughs> Hope you're going to have a good uh, episode today. So thanks so much for being here. I think it's going to be fun. I hope so. So thanks so much for being with me today, and I appreciate you taking your time. Thank you. Thank you for, for inviting me. Thanks a lot. Uh, Alfonso, your background is super impressive from Salvador to Canada, building hundreds of units across Canada, public speaker, coaching. But I would, like, I would like to start with beginning and what was the motivation saying I want to start learning about real estate? Well, I had a, I had a business at 17 and um, how I came about to starting that business is kind of an interesting story. You know, like I'm an immigrant, like you said, like I was a refugee, I came to Canada as a refugee. Um, I got into trouble. Um, early on, uh, I, you know, I had like some issues adapting into the education system here in Canada. Uh, ultimately, um, I ended up, um, you know, leaving home at 15, dropping out of high school. I was lost. I was homeless. And I had a life-changing moment at 17 when I became a father. And that's pretty much, yeah, that's pretty, that is pretty young. Now we're not trying to promote for young people to have kids, but it was, um, a real, um, monumental moment in my life where I, 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 for the first time in my life, I discovered purpose and what purpose really means. And at that point I started a business and I went back to school and I started a business for my locker in high school. It was a clothing store. Back to which year is this? This is 1995, 96. Okay, a long time back. (laughs) Maybe you weren't even born yet. I'm not sure. No, I was uh, 12. Okay, so you're, 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 you're. I'm in late 30s now. (laughs) Good. So, um, so at that time, um, you know, the business did very well. Like I happened to enter a market that was uh, like expanding and uh, at the right time and uh, with the right purpose and kind of like all the stars aligned and I became very successful in that business. So I I found myself being 21 years old and now I have locations uh, all across Canada. Now the issue was when the business was good, it it was really good, right? And I was making a lot of money. The problem was I had no financial education. I had I didn't know how to run a business. My, my, my mom never, uh, never, never shared those because, she, you know, she never shared those, those skill sets because she didn't have them. All my mom could tell me, and as you know, being, being an immigrant in this country, all the focus is like education. Like if you don't, my mom used to say, if you don't have a diploma or, or university degree, you're nothing. That's what she used to say, say to me, right? And so, um, poor dad, uh, poor dad, rich dad advice. Exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, you know, like a lot of immigrants come here with that mindset, right? Because it's like that's the. It, and you know what? In for for uh, for a lot of people back home, uh, that is the only way. 
right? You need an right. education, right? But in in these countries, in like in in the, in the Western world, is it's a little bit different. Now, <clears throat> um, I was hit with a with a market correction, two thousand and one, shortly after nine eleven. Yes, people's habits changed. Uh, new competition came. China, the internet, and I was not equipped to handle a, a shift in the market. And my, my business started to, to nosedive. Okay. So now I find 21 years old, like on top of the world, all of this money. And now I'm 24 years old. I'm negative a million dollars. I'm in debt. Uh, I'm about to lose my business. Hmm. And so I said to myself, there's something wrong here. Like I'm obviously missing some information. And so what I did was I, I started reading. And I started to educate myself. Mm. And you said, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That was one of the first books that I read. Yeah. And I, I quickly realized, you know, where I was. First of all, I was very much a consumer. I was not an investor. Mm. Uh, my mind, even though I, was, I had a good business, but I, all the money that came in, I used it to buy stuff because yeah. I've never, I've never had money. So in my mind, that's what you used, you're supposed to do, especially at 21. Adam, you remember being 21? <laughs> the mindset is different. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, as you said, they're not teaching you this in the school. You have to learn the school system is uh, directing you to, to fail. It's just to listen, to not make mistakes. So it takes time to understand, as you said, at 21, how are you going to know to manage your actual fund or expenses? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, so so I realized uh, by reading all these books. So Rich Dad Poor Dad, Think and Grow Rich were some of the first books, yeah. but they were like a gateway to like hundreds of other books that I've read. Um, I didn't even read. I didn't read through high school, right? I didn't like you know. I would. I'm the kind of guy that would read the back of the book hmm. and and get fifty percent on the test. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, that was good enough for me. Yeah. But. Um, reading those books opened up my mind and actually um, I realized that I love to read and I started to to really absorb all the all, all the all the information and the content and the experience from all these other people that have made it hmm. and when I realized that one I was a consumer two that I only had one stream of income and when I when I saw that all the different like all the wealthiest people in the world, uh, had multiple sources of income, I realized how vulnerable I was in the reason why I ended up where I ended up, you know, pretty much I was, I was going to lose my business. And, and I said, that's my problem. I only had that one business. That was my only source of income. And so when something happened or shifted in the marketplace, I was going to nosedive with, with, with that market. And then uh, the last thing is the common thread amongst all of the wealthiest people which goes back to your question. Uh, how did I get into real estate? Yes. I started to read that the common thread amongst all the wealthiest people in the world is real estate. Correct. Not yes. just because of the, the, like the business component of it, but it's a good way to preserve your wealth. And so the, the mixture of business and real estate, it's what gives the 4% of the world an, an unfair advantage over the 96%. Now, there's nothing we can do about it, but why are they, why do they have those advantages? And so I started to read about real estate. I started to educate myself about real estate. And I said, this is going to be my second 
stream of income. Mm-hmm. I had my business, and what I wanted to do is create a, a stream of income that was indestructible, right? And the 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 most bulletproof, logical, bulletproof like Armageddon proof. <laughs> Yeah, I hear, I hear you doing yeah. saying this before. Yeah. I'll yeah. Well, it had, that's that's what in the, the what I came the conclusion that I came to was multifamily. Yes, of course. Because I said people will always have to live somewhere. Correct. People will always have to live somewhere, and so what I did was at that at that very moment, I started to pursue the like uh, multifamilies and I started small at the very beginning like I did some triplex conversions five units seven units Hmm. but slowly I started to transform my life and the way my habits so I was I was transforming from a consumer into an investor reduced my expenses started to create wealth acquire assets so by by the time we came to 2008 Eight, the tail end of 2008, where you had the U.S. market crash. Hmm. It didn't crash in Canada, but it did. There was a massive correction here. Hundred percent. And and um, I was ready, right? I was ready to go, to, and I was ready to be able to take take advantage of all the opportunities. And I've been able to grow the that portfolio across Canada, and now going into the U.S., hundreds of doors, um, systems, people, and you know, when I turned 30 years old, I was financially free. I'm 45 right now. I was 30 years old. I was financially free. I'd sold the company. And um, I remember thinking, what am I going to do with my life? And so I made a decision way back when that I wanted to live a life of fulfillment. Hmm. And the biggest fulfillment that I get is teaching people how to create freedom in their lives and I've dedicated my entire life to to that that mission, right? Helping people achieve financial freedom. Hundred uh, percent. I think my next question will be: as you mentioned, you have a cross Canada. So the criteria you're looking for, I know that always we're looking for cash flow because this is the way to have bulletproof, or as you said, Armageddon proof is cash flow. Um, which is potentially a good, good cap rate. So what is your target market now in Canada? And you're saying that you're shifting the business to US too. So like uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, you like Texas, um, yeah. which markets? So so um, it's not like I'm, I'm shifting the business to the US. I'm including the US. Correct. For, for, for the longest time, um, you know, and I have invested in the U.S. before, uh, but it's like this imaginary line, yeah. right? And so what I wanted to do is just get rid of the line, right? We get rid of the line. So now the investment environment becomes all of um, U.S. and Canada, okay? And, and the reason why I like U.S. and Canada, because of the banking system. It's, Correct. It's, you can leverage cap money, and 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 it's easy to get mortgages, and and so that to me, it's it, it's uh, it's key. Um, I invest where I'm going to get the highest return, so I'm not very specifically motivated on particular areas, yeah. but I do like going some somewhere and like creating a a, a pocket. Right. So if I go to Saskatchewan, I'm going to buy buildings all around to be able to create resources to support that growth. If I go to Alberta, I'm going to do the same. Um, You know, 
years ago, I was going to New Brunswick and, and, I, and I was, you know, creating that infrastructure and I would do the same. And so these are the things that I was, that I was doing. Uh, and, and I was, what I was doing is I was creating situations where I don't have to be stuck to a geographical location. And that's another reason why I went to the U.S. because I'm like, I don't want this line to dictate um, where I'm going to get, you know, uh, where am I going to invest? I want to have this playground, right? Mm -hmm. And so for me now, we're looking uh, very closely at Alberta and Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, uh, things have been saturated out east. Ontario, I'm, I still have a lot, a lot of uh, uh, things that I'm doing in Ontario, but the, the strategy changes. So in Ontario, I'm buying a lot of new build apartment buildings. Hmm. Uh, we're building apartment buildings. We're doing a lot, a lot of land development. And then we shift to, you know, existing uh, really good quality apartment buildings that we're looking at in Alberta and Saskatchewan. Uh, you, in, in the U.S., well, U.S. is very different all across uh, every state, different laws. Hmm. Um, so you got to be careful. We're looking at Tennessee. Tennessee is, is is a state that we've identified that has um, that opportunity to be able to find some uh, something that is uh, you know underperforming, add value and go go and, and refi it and pull a lot of our money out, and so those are the strategies that uh, that we have. Um, we've just I think recently, to, uh, to summarize, I think you're focusing on yeah. no rent control uh, provinces or states. In U.S., more like Republican, far from the politics, Republican states. <laughs> Here in Canada, more conservative states, Saskatchewan, uh, Edmonton, Alberta, where you can find good cap rate, um, uh, good cash flow, um, a lot of opportunities, and avoiding the crazy appreciation. And the, as I said, you're trying to avoid this bubble to burst and to have a bulletproof business correct yes so we we definitely protect ourselves uh with the numbers right so that yeah. we're when we analyze a deal we want to make sure that we have all the provisions in place in case something happens right so yeah. when when uh we uh, you know march of 2020 was a, a a memorable moment for a lot of people across the world right especially if you're a real estate investor and, yeah, because and, of um, yeah, the rent and COVID and yeah, yeah, we were like, oh, we don't even know if people are gonna pay the rent. Mr. John Tory and uh, I think saying not do not pay the rent. Yeah, well, you know, at the end of the day, uh, what people were were uh, people were lost, right? Yes. And as an investor, you were you weren't sure what was going what's going to happen, but we've always and I've never gotten into anything shiny per se right where it's like i'm looking at luxury apartments or or i've never i don't i don't do much airbnb so what it, you know during those times our average rents across canada were around a thousand bucks and so yeah. the government you know and the government sees this They're, they gave the the serb program was enough money for someone to pay, it's like $2,400 a month, pay your shelter, pay your food and hunker down. And so if someone's, if they're getting $2,400 a month and 
the rent is $2,400 a month, they're not going to be able to pay. They're not paying that rent, right? 100%. And so for us, and obviously you got to be very proactive, but for us, we, we, we were 98% collected on April 1st of 2020. Which and is so the starting we, of the disaster already. Yes. And so we knew, we knew that we've, we, the, the, like we have, like are the products that we go after is blue collar, you know, uh, affordable rents. We don't go to this. We're not like, you know, we don't, we don't want rundown places, like really good affordable rents, but we don't go too on the high end. You know, we don't go on the low end. We kind of stay in the middle. And so that has been a, a, a our focus. And so in terms of future pandemics and anything that could come our way in the future, mm -hmm. uh, I think we're, we're okay in that space. And then ultimately, um, the 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 numbers you know the numbers will will protect the investments yes, most yes. people don't don't they're like okay well you know if i'm breaking even it's going to be okay no uh you don't know what's going to happen we don't know what's ahead of us and so you need you need to take you, you need to take proper decisions analyze analyze the the property and think about the worst case scenario and if you're okay with the worst case scenario, it's probably a good investment. Going back to, I think this is the point of moving out of Ontario because the average rent here is crazy in Ontario. That's why, as you said, you have an actual plan, even during any disaster or pandemic, you're, you're protected. But going back to actually analyzing your deals uh, during the underwriting, what is always your magic number for preferred return you as a i know that you're doing this as a, i'm not sure this you're you're it's it's diff, different from deal to deal i think between choosing on hard money or gplp but what will be your magic number to say okay this one is making a good it's going to be good investment for me and my my passive investors in every, total yeah every market is going to have a, a magic number right for example, uh, and also how people come to that magic number, it, 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 there's, it's also a, a, a formula, right? Correct. So for us, we need to hit our number with all of our provisions. So we have a specific vacancy number that we follow, a specific repairs and maintenance, capital expenditure. We need to have our property management in place. Like we still need to have all of those numbers because when you, when you see these performance, you don't see those numbers. And so we need to have all those. And at the same time, we need to have a, a certain cash on cash that we need to meet. Right. And so the cash on cash, for example, Ontario, between 3.5 to 5, to well, 3.5 and up, anything 3.5 and up, um, I think we're, we're in the ballpark, right? Mm -hmm. If we're talking about Alberta or Saskatchewan, it has to be over five because yeah. you're not going to go into those markets and with, with the proper vacancies, the proper, the, the, the proper provi provisions that we put into our, our, our formulas. And so we have to be over, over five in those markets. I think the, the cab is still on, on Alberta still within 5.5 to 6%. The cabins in Alberta and Saskatchewan is still six percent. Where in Ontario, especially in Toronto, 
2.5. Yeah, in so, Hamilton, so that's, the cap, that's the cap rate, yeah, right? Correct. But I, I was uh, talking about the cash on cash return. Cash on cash, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. the cash on cash, I have, we need to achieve a 5%. Five, five yeah. in, in those markets above, and then uh, it's, we can be a little lenient in Ontario with, you know, between 3.5 and that. Anything else, it doesn't make sense. Sometimes you do have to sharpen the pencil and really think about where the opportunities are going to come from. Hmm. Um, this is why I, I, I buy new build in, in Ontario, because there's no rent control, right? Correct. So that After, have, I think, 2019? Yeah, yeah. yeah After yeah. 2019, yeah. anything, uh, reconstruction is going to be no rent control, so... Yeah. yeah. So the, the 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 good thing about that, why is that so important? Because we're living through inflationary times. And so six, seven percent or more? I don't I think it's more than that. I think we're yeah. more at 15. Uh yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. The regular is three, four percent. Now is on the last uh, six, seven months, yeah, 15, 20 percent. Yeah. And they're always they're always declaring it. And it's like you're late to the to the party where, you know, but, uh, you know, what, what I was saying is that <clears throat> you have to be you have to think about inflation. And if you're in, if you're in a, if you have rent control and inflation is going up 16 percent per year, you're not going to be able to keep up with those rents. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I love new build. I know you pay a premium, like you're paying, you're paying through the nose, but you have the flexibility as market rents continue to go up. You have the flexibility to go continue to go up with that market rent. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think you started a, a question. I was, I was saving to the last part, but we can start with it, which is the land development, which is totally different animal here when you're talking about pre-development zoning permits community opinions you have to approve yeah. your project environmental so where is this all of this started like why you choose because you're not you're not dealing only with existing building you have to develop relationship with developers and and so on it's, it's not an easy pick like a regular multifamily when you you're dealing with a smaller animal with small bird. So I think it's an interesting story. I, I don't see many people talking about uh, how he started. I know that the return is great, but the jump to this market and this mentality, is. I think it's different than the regular. In your level as your comfort, comfort zone. Comfort zone is regular multifamily, correct? Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's it's different market, I think. So how you yeah. started all of this? So the the well, it, it's very simple. The numbers in the old stuff started to creep up. So the price per door when I when I got into multifamilies here in Ontario, price per door in the in the secondary and in, in tertiary markets that I was looking at uh, was like <laughs> like sixty a door. You know what I mean? That's what Where? we were buying. Yeah, the, the, in Ontario, right? So yeah. between sixty okay. to eighty a door. You, yeah, you know, like that's that was the benchmark. Yeah. And then, uh, then it creeped up to over a hundred, and okay, that's fine. Uh, and then it, it went like over one fifty. Well, then at, when it, when the when the price per door for a for 
a product that's built in 1960, 1970, mm -hmm. started to creep up over 150. Then you add the other element of the, the, the insurance, all the insurance is going up, everything's going up. Mm, when I started to do these numbers, it, it didn't really, it, it, it didn't make sense for us and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish, you know, mm. in terms of what we want to provide for our investors, what we want to do. And so I started to look, analyze the numbers and I saw like, whoa, like, let's say a new build in a secondary or tertiary market, you can, you're looking at anywhere between 230 to maybe over $300,000 a door. There's old product right now built in the 1960s that's going for like 180 to $200,000 a door. So I'll tell you maybe more. Yeah. I'll tell so, you, yeah, maybe more. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, to me, it was just normal. It's like, okay, I'm going to, I'd rather pay the premium because it's very, like if I took something at $200,000 a door built, built in 1960 and I in, invested another, you know, let's say another $100,000 a door for cash for keys and renovate the unit and like, you know, bring up all the common areas. Correct. You're still, you're, you might as well just buy new. And, and so that's, that's kind of where the mindset came. I never, this was never part of my, uh, it, it was never part of our MO that we would go after all these new builds and start developing. It just happened because the market pushed us there. And in Ontario, there's a lack of uh, inventory. 100%. But Ontario is not going anywhere. It's the most populated uh, province in Canada. If you see this line, if you see the, the, the population line, half of the population is in, of Ontario is below Toronto in southern Ontario. GTA and, is like 9 million, I think, in total. Yeah, but I mean, even go 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 all southern <coughs> Ontario, you have half the population of Canada. Hundred percent. And yeah. so the reason that is, the reason that is, is because the most southern part of Ontario is is more south than the north, the most northern part of California. <laughs> and if you look on the map, if you look on the map, the the southern point of Ontario actually is more south than the most northern part of california yeah and so it, it it comes back to the weather yeah 100 percent. Right? Yeah. and so this i i'm always gonna i'm always i'm always under this belief that this ontario you know ontario will always be a, a, a hub the problem is there's no inventory this is where the prices are going up and so um in ontario you got to create your inventory you know yeah. and um you know, and, and it doesn't, you don't have to start there because it can be complicated. You know, you, you got to go to the city or whatever. Uh, start small, start small. Uh, you know, we have like in, in, in what I do, you know, like I've brought on like, uh, you know, uh, real solid land development experts, right. To, to help our students navigate through, through these waters, because it's not, it's not, it's not easy, but it can be done. Anybody can, anybody can do it. So for me, that was a bit of a, a complicated, uh, but I needed to expand because if you get pigeonholed, if you, first of all, the first thing you can do is just be stuck to your geographical location. But then if you get pigeonholed to one certain thing, I can only do birds. 
I can only do wholesale. I can only do flips. I can only do, you know, like you cannot get stuck on one specific strategy. You have to have an open mind and be able to shift. Every year in the NHL, they change the rules. Mm. And every year, professional NHL, NHL players show up and play the game within the new rules. And so as real estate investors, professional real estate investors, we just simply show up and play within the new environments, the new rules, interest rates are up. Okay. Now we have to adjust our numbers. You know, interest rates are not are down. Okay. Now we adjust our numbers. There's no inventory. Okay. We have to create it. There's a lot of inventory. Okay. Now we can negotiate. Like we just need to adjust. You got to be willing to adjust and pivot when you have to. 100%. But I, I think what you're doing is that the actual growth for your business because you start with small multifamily, then multifamily, and then big deals on multifamily, and then coaching and raising money, and then land development. I think, uh, I, I'm not sure, correct me if I'm wrong, you like land development because it's making more return on investment. Whatever, in, even in Ontario or outside, I think this is a, the winning horse. Well, for me, uh, in the deals that I'm doing, uh, it's just exciting to be to have new like there is a honeymoon effect right when you when you have a brand new property it's like it smells new uh you know if you build like like i'm sure the the only way i can describe it to people is like when you buy a new home right you go and buy a new home and it and it's it's like everything is new no one's ever used it before that's the feeling i get with brand new apartment buildings it's like you know the maintenance is is low everything's under warranty uh there's a romantic there's a there's something romantic about that that has attracted me being in the game for so long 23 23 years where you know i was buying things with like you know we had drug addicts and going in there fighting with you know with all kinds of uh crazy people and and trying to fix properties like we put we paid our dues right and so more than just the profit adam is the fact that when i'm building i can i can build a project i can i can be part of a build or i can buy something new to me it's like i have a, a feeling that okay this is like i've made it here right like it's like okay this is this is what i thought i would do in like 40 years like my wildest dreams right like one day i'm gonna build right okay. and so uh in the same way i look at in the, in the city and I see the cranes, the cranes go up, right? And they're building like, you know, an 800 unit apartment building. I see to my, I say to myself, one day I'm going to do that, right? And that's the same way I used to look at land development, right? I would yeah. see, the, I would say people put the, the, the applications yeah. and I would say, wow, like, look what they're building. I always stop and I, <laughs> I see what they're building, how they're building it. And I would say, one day I'm going to do that, right? And so now like we have something, you know, uh, out here, you know, we're building a 60 unit apartment building, brand new. And, uh, you know, I, from, from an investor perspective, you know, to me, I remember looking at brand new buildings, you know, maybe five years ago. And I said, wow, one day, one day I'm going to, I'm going to do that, you know, and, and uh, here we are. How is your coaching program help your business? I, I know that you're helping a lot of students across Canada. So yeah. uh, 
how does this help your business and help also the people? And I think it's good for you networking and, but how you think it's really helped you on, in your business model? Well, it, you know, I, to be honest with you, it's a bit of a distraction. Hundred <laughs> percent. So it does not it it does not help. Uh, I have to sacrifice my business, correct? Um, to to help people because that brings me fulfillment. Uh, the real estate is fun, and it creates the freedom so I can do these things, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that's just a decision that I had to make, right? I had to make that decision for lifestyle for what I wanted, how I wanted to live my life, how I wanted to feel about, uh, um, you know, when, I, when I'm no longer here, what do I want to be remembered for? I don't want to be remembered for the doors. I want to be remembered for all the people that I've, that I've helped. Okay. And so um, the program does, doesn't really, it's, it's, it's symbiotic because it's real estate. I help people achieve freedom through, through real estate, but <clears throat> it, doesn't, it doesn't help my business. In, in, in from that perspective, uh, because if I just did real estate like all the time, I mean, the, 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 the I would have like 10 times the results. 100% because um, you're lo uh, not losing time, but you have to like dedicate some time for your students and mastermind classes and, and, and so on. So uh, I think going back to this point yeah. is, who is your influence? But, but also, it's a. So no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But it, it's also a, a, a fulfillment thing for 100%. me, yeah. right? Because, like, I don't, I, I don't see it any other way, right? Like, you know, I. I I'm You're a people type. Yeah, like I, I need to. I need to help people. I need to support people. I need to. You know what I mean? Like, I. I it's a mission, right? It's a mission, and the real estate makes that possible for me Correct. and and uh that's that's why um that's why i love it so much right and i and, and i made that decision when i was 30 years old that i was going to dedicate you know my life to helping people and so i know that i have to build the real estate and to be able to support more people but it is it is a sacrifice that i had to make in my life where I could say, well, I can pursue way more real estate, uh, but also at the end of it, uh, what do you want to be remembered for? 100%, 100%. So it's a, so it's a, it's a balance. Yeah. yeah. So uh, again, back to my question, um, who was your influential mentor when you started? I'm not going to say now, but eventually everyone has mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're going a, from had, level to level. Yeah, so I had a, a, a I had a few. So when I was uh, in business for the very first time, um, you know, I, I had moved to Miami, and uh, I was uh, living there, and I met someone really influential, someone that was really, really, really um, wealthy, and um, he's actually the person that suggested uh, think thinking grow rich and what rich dad poor dad, and gave me those books. And I absorbed uh, so much from that person. And then later, uh, when I started in real estate, when I was 24, I looked in the, well, we didn't have social media. So I, I found, I found uh, in the classified sections, I saw that there was someone that was, uh, that was doing a lot of transactions in real estate. I'm like, I want to be like that guy. And so I called him up and um, 
I said, would you help me? He said, absolutely not. And then I said, I'll pay you. And he said, you can't afford it. I said, try me. So he gave me, he gave me a number to, to scare me, but I, I said, okay, I'll do it. And um, how much was it? What's that? Well, how you know, was it? it was like 10,000 a month. And so, Whoa. yeah, <laughs> Whoa. but uh, you know, it was kind of, it was a number that it was like, okay, if I tell this guy, this kid, I was 24. If I tell this kid, this number, it would just scare him away, you know, yeah, scare yeah. him off. Yeah. Uh, but I said, okay. And uh, you know, that year I bought 10 properties my first year, you know? Oh. And I think uh, as a result of that mentorship, uh, you know, I've, I've become a multimillionaire be as a, as a result. So I've never been afraid to have, mentors that I pay or don't pay. It really doesn't matter. I just need access to people that are doing things at a level that I, like, I have no access to. And so to this day, I reach out to people that are better than me. And uh, I reach out to, 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 to mentors. There's programs that, that, that I want to uh, participate in because I'm always going to be a student. I need to always be a student. The people underestimate always uh, the value of mentorship. They think, okay, if I read a book or two, I can do it by myself. But this is not the case, I think. You're always, as you mentioned, you're 40. You're not the biggest one of the room. You always have to learn because you have bigger people than you and you have to learn. So you're a coach, but as you said, you're still trying to your best because you're looking for a bigger deals and, and so on. So... Uh, you, I, I like this mentality. You, you wouldn't want your doctor uh, to stop learning, right? You wouldn't yes. go to a doctor that said, well, yeah, I learned some things back in uh, 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He's not up to date with the latest and greatest of the new medicines. And you know what I mean? Like you would never, you would never trust a doctor that, that doesn't continue uh, their education. hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Really great uh, answer. Uh, my next question is, I think, is about lending side and your business model. If you're really giving an advice for people on starting, what you're going to give away? Equity or a more um, interest rate if you're going with, uh, with hard money? Because, uh, again, for new newbies, always they think, okay, I'm going to go to um, conventional bank, lender A. I'm going to close. But this is not the actual case. Your only way to start or to build an actual big portfolio is hard money. But the question is here, after this, this years, what you prefer to give equity to uh, passive investors or take more control and pay a little bit more money on as a uh, um, hard money side? The answer is I do both. Right. And it really depends on the deal and where the portfolio is at that moment. I'm going to give you both. I'm going to give you the flip side of both. You could borrow all the money to do the deal. Correct. Or you can borrow all the money to do the deal. But that's not a scalable business. Because if, and I'm going to speak specifically on multifamily. Yes. So let's say you have five, five buildings. You borrowed all the money to buy all five buildings. You're 100% financed on all five buildings. You're borrowing all the money. You own 100% of the deal. So LTV is 100%. Yeah. So guess what? You get you have two boilers go in 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 two of your uh, in two of your uh, of your properties. 
uh, each boiler for an apartment building, let's say an apartment building of 40 units, uh, each boiler is going to be probably around $30,000. <coughs> so two of them go, you now got to put out of your pocket $60,000 that you were not expecting, right? 100%. Yeah. Now, you can't go to your private lenders and say, hey, guys, uh, I had to pay this boiler. Everybody's going to have to, like, I won't be able to pay this month. No, you made a deal. They're going to come after you if you don't pay you don't you don't pay that loan, right? 100%. Versus equity where you have five deals, you bought it all with equity partners, two boilers go out. You go back to your partner and say, "Hey guys, like this is was unforeseen. Like we mm -hmm. didn't expect this to happen. So, um for the next, you know, year, uh this is going to suck up our cash flow. Mm -hmm. But next year, we're going to be in a better place because this new boiler now is 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 more efficient and the the gas bill will be reduced by half and so it's actually a blessing that we got this because next year we'll see more cash flow hmm. guess what your equity partners are going to be more flexible with you because they have the equity right yeah and makes sense that, that model is sustainable and it's scalable. And so I don't want you to get pigeonholed to that model only because there may be opportunities where you know what, I can take this down on my own, right? And, and you may want to do that, but if it's all of your business look like 100% financed and you don't have the means or the funds to be able to fix something, if something goes wrong, then you're going to be in a situation where you're going to get caught with your pants down and, uh, you know, um, Warren Buffett says it best. When the tide goes out, you find out who's naked, right? And so that's what happens. Something interest rate, uh, pandemic or whatever, something happens where, you know, you can't like adjust, you can't pivot, your people are not going to be understanding, you're toast. 100%. Uh, I think it's a, can be a good strategy for starters because eventually your problem on raising capital is trust yeah. people want to see results yeah usually when you go you show your records i did 20 deals here say see what i did so i think it's maybe it's a an option but not an actual strategy as i said you cannot build a model on only hard money because it's not going to be cash flow and as you said you're going to be exposed to any any issues during the project uh I think your business model, you said you're relying on long distance. Tell us how you manage to build all of these relationships between U.S., Alberta, because you want a constant deal flow. Uh, so I, I like what you do, be, to be honest. I see your events, uh, meetups, Saskatchewan, Alberta, Manitoba, and New Brunswick, Ontario. You're always everywhere. I, I like this uh, uh, I think this is because this is a main goal in on your business networking, because you wanna get more people, no more people. Uh, at least this is my understanding of uh, your approach. Yeah, well, the one thing about the the events is that uh, um, that's part of the 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 financial freedom initiative, right? And so we, we, we want to make sure we can connect. I don't want to be, uh, 
this mentor that you see just like over a camera or on Zoom or whatever. So I made it a point. The second they allowed us to go out there, I wanted to go and actually meet face to face with a lot of my students um, and, and just be there and, and, and be in, in person. I mean, I love Zoom. I love Zoom, but it, there's nothing beats like being in a, in a, in a room with, with people and going back to that. So um, I've been, I was traveling since early March, you know, and I, and I, and I, I did, I did events all across North America. I met with students and it was just incredible. And so that's big, a big part of the, uh, uh, of the, the reason why I was traveling now, the management. Oh, and also it's also, if I'm traveling, it's good that I have properties in those areas. So then I can go have a look. Uh, my model is very simple. Uh, and I'm going to give the secret sauce here, okay? I'll give you the secret sauce. Only because it's you, Adam, okay? I'll give you the secret Thanks sauce. Thanks a lot. So 16 units and up is the model. 16 units and up actually has, an, there's enough cash flow to hire us uh, uh, an on-site super. And the on-site super is the key. We manage the on-site super. We'll go to that that area. We'll develop relationships with all the vendors in the area, and and then we we basically just delegate to that on-site super. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, for me, I, uh, any uh, you need full-time personnel. Uh, anything about forty-five. So do you have your your super like full-time or yeah. part? So, oh, okay. So. Okay. so um, we we can manage because our staff is full time, yeah. Okay, and we can manage the on-site super on-site, yeah. Right, yeah. And uh, sixteen units and above, we can get it. It's like you know, in in the numbers, it works. So you for slip in the numbers part you, of that you're underwriting. Yeah, and by the way, uh, we're still we're still we're still managing. We're still managing. The super is just there, like. It's like a, like a warm body on site. Correct. Um, but that's our strategy. Anything below 16, mm-hmm. uh, you have to get a property manager. And uh, a, like you have to hire an on-site property management company. And it, it never works for us. It, there's, there's too many fees. They're going to just, you know. So we rather take, take on the management. We manage in-house. Uh, I any, didn't know this. So you're yeah. not dealing with any property managers? No. Well, okay. we have some, but anything over uh, under sixteen, we have no choice, you know. But yeah, we, I right. think, we have one property left that's under sixteen. It's a twelve unit, but uh, that we have to get a property manager. Uh, but we we manage the supers. Uh, this is really different approach. Like I, I I I really like this, but this is another hustle for you besides your coaching and. Mm. Uh, as really great. Uh, yeah. yeah. So you managed to develop this relationship on different markets and you have for all of your buildings, your own management, which is, I think it's a creative way to handle and control things because property manager, you're going to pay on this level. I think you're, you, if you're going to hire a property manager is going to be between eight to 10% of the gross uh, rental plus uh, how you going to plus, 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 plus. Yeah. (laughs) Plus a contract, uh, contract, uh, uh, any contract work and uh, maintenance and repairs. I think uh, you yeah. can have different things. It's not only property management, property manager, contract uh, admin. You're going to need uh, any uh, repair and maintenance. So it's going to cost you a lot. 
Yeah. So what we do is we build relationships with the people around. Yeah. And then they, the contact will be the super, but we, 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 we manage the, those relationships. We manage the pays we, we pay, you know, so we manage, we can manage everything from our office and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and all we just need is to communicate with the supers. So the, for, the formula that we have is very simple. If you have supers on site, one property manager, so one, one person can handle about 300 doors. So you you bringing on on house also a property management. We have property a property, management. We, we we like one human being. Yeah, can handle three hundred doors. So we have a property manager here in our office. That that person oversees the the the, the portfolio. Super, yeah, they oversee the, the 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 supers. I think this is a good approach to make the number work on your part. It's yes. going to save you a lot of money on the underwriting. Yeah, but it's it's is it a challenge challengeable challengeable with with the lenders to show that you don't have a property man or because you have experience on house already? Oh, okay, I, I got it. So I well, well, when when it comes to the, to lenders, we're considered to be professional landlords. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. and so they they like most of the financing we get is with with CMHC. Yeah, and and for them, they, they know they already know who we are. You know, and they know what we're doing, and and the the property does have management. It's just it's remote. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, everything you can do so much from remote. Like, like look, even if you have uh like a like a plumbing issue, right? Who fixes that? Uh, the actual professional, the plumber. Exactly. So you got to call the plumber, anyways. Right? Yeah. yeah. So you don't need the property manager to charge you whatever he's going to charge you to call the property the plumber. You can just call the plumber directly. You just have you just control the output, right? It's yeah. it's it's fit for your model because you've yeah. been on the business, but for 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 newbies on a new market, especially this is a scary for them. Saying yeah. that I have to deal with building a network on this market where I don't know anyone, but this is the—I think this is one really great lesson—is the benefit of networking. How yeah. how is like your business on real estate relies on on no more people, correct? Yeah. Absolutely, you, yeah. you you have to network. Like I go to a if I'm going to invest in a market that I don't know, um, I'll go there. I'll meet the plumbers. I'll meet the electricians. I'll create my team on site. Yeah. So then they know a face. They see if they they know they can put the a, a face to to when I get the when I when I phone them, I give them the card. I see. I show them what we're doing. I show them how we do everything. And then I don't I don't really have to come back there. Yeah, hundred you know? percent. Yeah. Yeah. So you're doing this in U.S. I think because this is yeah. a new market for you. Yep. Yeah. I think it's impressive what you did. So property management, land development, coaching multifamily 20 years in experience it's, it's uh, I, a lot of students across canada i think uh, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's a, uh, it's really good uh, good good progress for you alfonso i'm i'm happy for you uh, just one final question is what is lately the book grabbed your attention it's real estate or uh, maybe uh, so a lot of the a lot of the the, the content that I read has nothing to do with real estate. Yeah. Uh, right now, you know, we're, we're, our, our vision is to get to 7,500 doors uh, as a company in the next five years. And it doesn't matter what the goal is for you. 
or your listeners, um, I know this to be true. The, 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 the gap between where you are and where you want to go is people. It's always people. Systems, people, you know, uh, and, and, and at the end of the day, you have to hire good people. You have to have good, good people. So a lot of the content that I read and I spend my time reading is on leadership. Hmm. If you want to, and it sounds crazy, but if you want to, if you want to expand your portfolio, you need to become a really good leader, right? And I, and I like to call myself a leader of leaders, right? So I don't want to lead employees that I have to manage. Hmm. I want to lead other people that are leaders in their own right. So I can give, I can give someone a, a, a task and I don't have to worry if it's going to be done or not because they're going to, they're going to take ownership. They're going to be leaders in their own right and, and be able to deliver that. So a lot of the focus has shifted because I, I identified, once you set a goal, you, you need to start uh, uh, making decisions that are in alignment with that goal. And so everything that I've been reading on is leadership. And um, there's, you know, John, John Maxwell is one of the best. Hmm. And, um, you know, uh, I think is the 28 laws, 28 irrefutable laws of leadership, I would say was the latest one. I'm looking at one right now. I read this three times. Wow. 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. leadership yeah. The, the, look how the book, the book is, 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 you it's know, like, I've heard, I've heard it, like, this is, don't, when people show me that the books are too nice, you know, we never, when I see people's books and they're too nice, we know you never cracked it open. Come on. Yeah, and so yeah, like, yeah. we want, we want you to, you, like, people talk about reading, reading, reading. I like to read things over. I don't, I'm not trying to read as many books as possible. I want to read a book and like really understand it and then apply what I, what I, what I've learned. And so you're better off reading one book five times and really understanding it than trying to read, you know, 20 books, you know, and then you forgot what you even read, you know? What I do is usually I, I read the chapter by chapter and I apply it. I don't wait until I, I don't wait until the end. So yeah. I apply chapter by chapter, but as you mentioned, like leadership here is uh, you don't want to the whole business fall apart because someone is not acting. I like this one, too, uh, to be honest. Uh, the final thing, the final, final thing, how the people can uh, reach you or uh, follow your success. This is, this is what I always tell people. Go to my YouTube channel. It's Alfonso Quadra. You find it, you subscribe. Hit the bell to get notified the next time we're doing a video. And if anything I say on that channel resonates with you, reach out. Great. <laughs> Thanks a lot for your time today. And we're happy to have you today. And we hope to bring you here again. Hey, Adam, it's been so fun. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.